Welcome everybody to another episode of Just One More Podcast. I believe this is episode six. I am joined by John. How are you doing, John? I'm good. I believe you're correct. It is episode six. All right. That's, uh, for the most part, once you start getting into more episodes and shows and stuff, it, like I've kind of stopped numbering game revision because I, I, I think we're in the 30s now with that show so yeah i mean it's nice to number them that way you can keep track of the episodes in your file system of course it's also easy to just go by the date say hey this is the august 20th 2022 episode yep which as you pointed out this is august 20th um i think for the most part uh you know we've we've been talking about the the games we kind of map out um, for what we're we're going to play over the next week of gaming, and I think for two weeks in a row we've had some surprises kind of creep in, um, which for the most part I probably would not have checked this one game out had you not recommended it, but I'm just kind of curious as to kind of your like what with uh, with the game what remains of Edith Finch. You had recommended it, saying that it was uh, going to be leaving Game Pass pretty soon. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, you and I usually have very similar tastes in games. Um, we deviate in a few areas, but I think uh, for the most part we, we have very similar um, tastes in games. So when you recommended it, I was like, okay, well, I mean, if it does leave Game Pass pretty soon, might as well check it out just to see what it is. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as to, like, how, how did it get onto your radar? Well, exactly as you suggested. Um, okay. I just, just read and true achievements. Um, whenever Microsoft released the list of, hey, here are the games that are coming to Xbox, um, you know, this month or the second half of the month, and also here are the ones that are leaving at the end of the month. Uh, reading true achievements, they, they kind of highlighted this one as one that was a, a short game and an easy completion and it had been on my radar for a while. Um, Giant Sparrow, developers of this game also made The Unfinished Swan, which is another game on my backlog to, that I'll get to at some point. Um, yeah, it's just, hey, it's leaving Game Pass. I may as well check it out now and rack up some easy achievements in the process. And it was an enjoyable game, a surreal game. Yeah, I I did not really know what to expect when i first started it i was like okay because you you had uh given it the well you had uh categorized it as the yeah. the, the walking simulator it's a walking simulator and you had never heard that yeah. term like yeah um I've, I've heard of other like narrative based things and visual novels and stuff like that but i was like a, a walking simulator and it's very very true to that yeah, um, I mean, you understand what I say now. It's like you know, yeah, it's like Gone yeah. Home or Firewatch. It's literally a game just, where there's not really a lot of gameplay interaction other than just controlling this character, generally walking around the first-person perspective and you know, interacting with stuff. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> when uh, when I started it, I I felt like there was so much suspense just going around the, the 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 house that i really felt 
like something was going to just like pop out at any moment. I, I thought that somebody was going to just, you know, leap out of one of the, the, the uh, cupboards or. Yeah. Or, and early on, it did have some of that um, really suspense adding moments. Like whenever you're walking up on the house and you hear yeah. something in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because I, I walked over to the garage and I was like, well, maybe I need to explore uh, some like another area before I actually go into the house. So I started walking away from the garage and she makes that comment that, you know, that she heard something in the garage and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's going to be one of those games. And it was not um, one of those games. Yeah, like there there was no like horror to it. It was just a very suspenseful, um, just narrative game um, that, that starts when you get into the house and for... I, I, don't know when this game actually came out but i guess spoilers uh, i for... think 2017 so i mean it's it's a couple of years old okay well just in case um for anybody that hasn't actually checked it out um spoilers we're probably going to be talking about uh quite a bit of this game because i'm i'm very intrigued by it because i still don't fully understand what all happened even after like beating what, it what questions do you have like i just so the biggest question is like with the, with the situation with Molly, like the first the, the first uh, first little story vignette you experience. Yeah, that first that first uh, transformation. She becomes a cat, and then she becomes an owl, and then she becomes a shark, and then she becomes a a monster with a tentacle that goes around eating people. Oh, so you mean an um, octopus? Well, and that's I, I wasn't quite sure if she was an octopus because yeah, you, you she's just an see one, you just see one tentacle. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, you can make kind of the assumption that yeah, that she's a she's an octopus. But, um, but it's like how like it's just all of these really strange stories about how these characters died, and a, based on that first story, it kind of kind of seems like maybe molly ate herself no because like she goes through the, the the sewer pipe as the monster she goes through the toilet in in her own room she then goes underneath the bed and then when she like wakes up she's afraid of the the, the monster under her bed mm-hmm. and so like no, so I mean, have have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? I have not. This reminded me a lot of Big Fish. Um, Big Fish was a story, or uh, you know, a movie where this, the kind of like the the protagonist of the movie, his dad is dying, and his dad always told these like fantastic surrealist stories, kind of like all these little story vignettes we experienced, and his dad was like a big believer in all this stuff like this really happened like these marvelous tales and the the main guy he's more down to earth he didn't believe it you know no i'm more of a straightforward like that that didn't happen that's not the way these stories happen so it kind of reminded me a lot whenever i was playing this game um whenever we like transformed as molly into all these marvelous creatures um I think that you kind of have to be of one of two minds. It's like, okay, you can either take this literally, like this stuff literally happened, or they're just really marvelous storytellers kind of enhancing what happened to them. 
because in Molly's case, I think there's some, I don't know if it's something that Edith recites or she reads or something happens, but there is a, a line of dialogue or a line of text that says that, you know, Molly died of poisoning from the toothpaste she ate and those berries she ate. So, I mean, really, she died of that food poisoning, but in her mind, this okay. is the way that she died. You know, this marvelous story. Okay, because, yeah, I, I, I did not see that uh, that, that line. Um, but it would make sense, like the, the dry gerbil food that she ate and the, the, the toothpaste. And I, I also kind of wondered if those little berries were, like, plastic or, or real. Like, not mm-hmm. really sure. Um, but, yeah, like that, that just kind of... The game had already been running for a little bit before you get to the Molly uh, story, but then going into that story and all those transformations, and it it goes from just walking around a house to actually, like, there's a little bit of gameplay there, like swooping down, getting the rabbits. Um, kind of a platforming the, as the cat to get the bird. Yeah, which at first I I I was actually kind of lost on with that one because uh, I just kept running back and forth. I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" Um, and every time, like, I would hold the like R two down because I <clears throat> or the right trigger. Um, so I would I would hold it down, but I guess I wasn't in a like close enough to a, a platform that I could jump to. So I would just kind of like crouch down, and then nothing would happen. I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" Like, there obviously I I can't go back into the house, but then I ended up figuring it out that I just wasn't close enough to where the, the bird was once at to jump up there and then jump over and start chasing the bird around. Um, so for the most part, like that that first you know you you had kind of talked about how it, it set a pretty good pace for you or a pretty good uh, kind of set expectations of what to. Yeah. what to expect for the rest of the game like i said like almost immediately it reminded me of big fish and the way she's telling this story and talking about her family members um and how her yeah. mom didn't really want her to find a lot of this stuff initially and like her grandma always like leaned into it like and whenever you walk up on the house it's like okay well this is not going to be a normal story this is not going to be really <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a totally 100 percent this actually happened sort of thing there's gonna be some surrealism to it yeah um and there there's a lot of character uh, a lot of family members that lived in this house uh like uh there's gregory the the little baby that uh little baby uh, with like psychic powers psychic abilities yeah yeah uh playing with his his toys and stuff in in the bath and uh it, it appears that he dies from drowning um and then there's Gus, who I, I think Gus is the one with the, I think the kite, I believe. Oh, yeah, kite, and the, he was upset about his dad remarrying. Yeah, and so, like, that, that was a really cool, just as you're flying the kite around, letters are appearing, and then when the storm starts creeping in, like, going around and picking up all the, the stuff around the wedding, and uh, so that was that was kind of cool, but I think my favorite family member to play their story with was lewis uh the the family member that worked at the cannery okay yeah her older brother yeah um 
you know, it, it's a very, I mean, the ending is not great. I mean, all these characters, the, the, the end of their story is how they died. So, like, they're, they're not happy endings. But I, I really enjoyed playing the Lewis's story just because you're kind of doing two things at once through most of his, uh, most of his story. Yeah, you're um, controlling his little character in his dream world while also, yeah. you know, dealing with the yeah. monotony of, a, of his job of sliding fish under the cutter and sliding the corpses up. Yeah, and just kind of like as as his story progresses, his imagination is taking over more and more and more. And like part of me thought that he was going like at some point his hand was going to get cut off or something. Yeah, I had the same thought. Like, okay, when's it going to happen? <laughs> yeah, because like as as his like imagination is taking over more of the screen, I'm like, okay, at some point he's gonna like the, the game's going to allow you to move his hand just far enough to where it's under the little cutter thing but that doesn't happen um he he becomes quote-unquote crowned by the, the 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 council i believe and yeah. of course he has to he has to kneel to, to to be crowned and then pop he he dies uh most likely by putting his head under the or his own head under the uh, cutter and right. decapitating himself. But um, yeah, I mean, some of the background on it, the the family, the Finch family, you know, there's believed to be some sort of odd curse where they all die in unexpected or odd ways, and so this is her kind of yeah. coming back as the last member of the Finch family and. Um, of course, she knows some of these already, but this is her really yeah. reacquainting herself with her past family members and seeing what befell them. Um, do you know if if this game got a, like a direct sequel, or do you do you know anything as far as like? No, I think this is the most recent thing Giant Sparrow has made. Uh, I believe Unfinished Swan was their first game. Uh, made in collaboration with Sony Santa Monica, so that's you know one exclusive to the PlayStation family. Uh, and again, I I haven't played it, but I think it's very similar to this, like you know, a walking simulator. And then this game from 2017, to my knowledge, is the last game they've made. So they're due for another. I I would kind of because at at the end you uh, very very briefly you get to see uh, Edith's son. Um, so it'd be kind of cool to see kind of the, the story pick up where you know maybe he's putting like the final pieces together about what happened with the family or or trying to figure out more about this family curse um or or maybe even something about like maybe more like a prequel where you get to, to play as like odin as they're you know upheaving their their lives to you know to to, to come over and get to see the original house um, that was one thing that was you, just a little bit of uh, when you're you're going through Edie's story, um, getting to you know almost like you're right outside the the original house before uh, I think Dawn, who is Edith's mother, like snatches her out of the story and tries to take that book away from her. Um, so it would be kind of cool to, to see a, uh, a continuation of the story just from the, the eyes of, or the perspective of uh, 
Edith's son who I mean there's 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 got to be more more to this these these stories than what uh, this one game showed off. Well, that's not what you're getting. Their next game is still <laughs> early in development, but the focus is on interactions between humans and urban wildlife. Huh, okay. Well, dash to those those dreams pretty quickly. Um but yeah, for anybody who hasn't uh, checked this game out, um, it is uh, it's like what three three to five hours. Uh, uh, yeah, three hours easy. I mean, I think I beat it and unlocked all the achievements um, in two hours and forty two minutes. I got you know the bulk of them on that initial playthrough, and then after you beat the game, you can kind of go back and like select a chapter to clean up anything you missed and. Yeah, yeah it, it probably took me like two and a half hours to beat the game and another 15 to clean up on the few missing achievements. So, yeah, I mean, it, this is like a three-hour game tops. So for, for anybody out there with, uh, you know, Game Pass, uh, definitely need to check it out because it, uh, it, it leaves in, what, a couple weeks, like a yeah. week or two? week and a half, T-minus 11 days or something like that. Um. And speaking so. of games leaving Game Pass and other short games and other games published by Annapurna Interactive, I also... It's kind of on a roll right now. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've put out a ton of, you know, high-class indie games. Of course, they're, you know, Annapurna Interactive. They're a subsidiary of a, a film studio who does the same sort of thing. Um, but another game I checked out by them also leaving Game Pass this month was, this month was 12 Minutes. Now, do you know anything about 12 Minutes? Uh, that I do not. Is it another walking simulator that has a lot of easy achievements that I could get before uh, before it leaves Game Pass? No. Uh, it is not a walking simulator, but it does have um, short playthrough, like two to four hours, and uh, an easy completion if you're going for all the achievements. I am not going to, though. Um, it is a time loop game, so you're experiencing this little story vignette and you fail and then you do something different to try and get a different ending to try and ex just basically figure out what's going on um you play from a top-down perspective you play as this guy coming home you enter his apartment his wife is there she's going to share a surprise with you and you know you really just have a top-down view of like the apartment interior a bedroom, a closet, and a bathroom. So there's not really a lot of place that you can go and explore. There are a number of items you can pick up and interact with and kind of um, use with other items like in a point-and-click game. But she's got a surprise to tell you, and then before long, a you know supposed uh, self self self-possessed or self-proclaimed cop arrives at the door and basically ties oh. you both up and is searching for something, and then uh, you know hits you or kills you and then you just black out and then you return back to the beginning and you're like what what's going on what and so I, you're basically I, trying to uncover that mystery trying to figure out what happened i think i remember at like one of the like game conventions last year i think i remember seeing a, a trailer for it now that you kind of explained it like um yeah it's i mean it's pretty neat it's is made as far as i can tell a lot you know predominantly by one guy like louis antonio 
Um, and it's got, you know, it's actually got kind of tying into Annapurna's uh, Hollywood credentials. It's got James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and what? William Defoe um, providing Holy the voices. Crap. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's That's got a star-studded cast, but I honestly just it wasn't clicking with me. I think I played it for like an oh. hour and a half, and I was making some progress. Like I'd get a little further in the storyline, and you know, I was asking my wife these questions and like kind of. Uh, uh, interviewing her or like confronting her about like hey do you know what's going on like you know of course she doesn't know anything of what's happening so you're trying to like well let me prove it to you let me prove what's happening or you know tell me about this thing that the cop says he's searching for but after an hour and a half I just I, I it just wasn't clicking with me I just I guess I just wasn't feeling <laughs> well, enough satisfaction or reward for what I had done so far and eventually just decided okay well I guess I'm done I'm <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. But one of the the you and I had played um, her story. Yeah, her story. Um, so you, like, d- wow. you don't you don't got to remember it. I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean that that encyclopedic mind of yours. Um, Which that, um, speaking of that, I think Sam. You know that game was designed by Sam Barlow. I think he has another game on Game Pass right now. I think he did Telling Lies. Yeah, that's. I, I kept thinking of, of of Telling Lies, but I was like, it's it's not that game. It's the it's the game before that. But I remember you and I playing uh, uh, her story, and that is such a good like murder mystery type of uh, game from from an independent uh, creator. Yeah, basically getting, like, all these pieces of the story, but getting them out of order. So having to, like, okay, well, she said this here. Was this after this other piece of information she told us, or yeah. was it before? Yeah. And then just having to, like, really pay attention to some of the, like, finer details of just, like, her mannerisms, the behavior, what she's wearing, what's on the table, and then trying to piece all that stuff together was was, was awesome. Yeah, um, and looking at the achievement... Whenever I basically said, okay, I think I'm done, I went ahead and just read the achievement descriptions for uh, this game, you know, kind of like what Remains of Edith Finch. There's only like 10 or 12, so there's not a ton. And it the story goes places. Like, there are a ton of different um, routes the story can can pan out to. So oh, multiple it endings. seems... Oh, yeah, yeah, multiple endings. It seems yeah. really cool, and, you know... Like what remains of Edith Finch, it's going to be on Game Pass for another week and a half. So I may just decide, you know, in a couple of days, be like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I am going to go re-download that, and I'm just going to go ahead and bust through the story with, you know, just following these achievement guides. Because at this point, I've I basically got like right up to the point where the story was going to start get interesting and expand itself. And at, at it was also about the same time where it's like, you know, I'm I don't feel like I'm making a ton of progress. It's like, well, I guess yeah. if I would have just done it one more loop, one more like little twelve minute loop, I probably would have got there and been like, okay, I'm hooked now. But interesting game. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of with uh, with Edith Finch. Like once I got everything done and, and finished the the achievements, which I, I didn't look at the uh, the achievement list until after I had gotten a pretty good. Uh, I probably got about halfway through before. I, I looked at the achievement list because I was like, what exactly am I looking for for these? Um, I think I was on... I think I was going into Barbara's story when I looked at the achievement list. 
and like a couple of them i was like oh crap i didn't wait for the the drunken sailor to to finish a song before uh before eating him and i was like uh i I think i did you take both roads to the house yeah yeah i I, I did that so that was kind of a uh i I went through the 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 forest or the wooded area first uh, because i was like well you know if there's gonna going to be some story i'm sure this will be the path uh but then i ended up just i went i went through the 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 wooded areas up to the to the house and then i went from the house uh up until i got the the achievement which when the achievement popped i was like okay so i i am gonna have to kind of pay attention to some of the finer details and stuff and just kind of really explore everywhere yeah Um, i took the i took the walking trail the wooded path as well and i even like looked back up at the road the like driving road and i was like i ought to go up there because there's probably something <laughs> something odd with this game it's like ah nah whatever and then after i beat the game and went back and looked at the achievements i'm like are you kidding me i literally <laughs> yeah. thought yeah. i ought to go up there and then and then second guessed myself it's like oh well um i i did get a little bit when i was going when i was walking through the woods and i, I don't know if you got the the same same vibe but while walking through through the woods um a little bit of like a resident evil 7 vibe because like oh, at the beginning yeah. of Re- resident evil 7 you know you're walking through that wooded area and i was like I, I wasn't quite thinking that something was gonna be like like that as far as like resident evil 7 but um just kind of walking through the woods and stuff it's it, it gets fairly quiet at, at one point and so i start thinking okay i'm, I'm gonna see somebody or i'm gonna see something in this wooded area but then nothing ever happened it was just her talking about how uh she almost feels more scared about the the silence in the woods than the house itself um but yeah that's uh so yeah the and i'm glad that i did look at the achievements before like as i was going into barbara's story because there's one achievement for like knocking all the the balls off of the the pool table oh yeah um so i was like okay well this would have likely been one that i missed had i not seen the the achievement list um but yeah the it it took me three swoops the first time through to get the the rabbits uh because i really didn't know what i was looking for on the first swoop um but then the words popped up i was like oh okay here we go here's one of the rabbits oh here's the, the the mama rabbit um so it was that one and the, the the drunken sailor that uh that i missed out on on the, the first playthrough and then i saw the achievement for playing calvin's story again and i was like how do i do that and then after i beat the game and it explained that i could then play through another uh, play through the the stories in any order i was like oh okay they just want you to play that that story section again yeah which I don't, I don't know if you felt this way at all, or if it's just me and like especially me, like after having a kid. But there were so many times where it was easy to like have tears well up in my eyes, like get emotional, <laughs> like oh, like Calvin's story was one of them. Um, just to, yeah. you know the twin brother reciting basically what happened. You know he wanted, he always wanted to fly. You know and you know it was dinner time. We were going out and he. I told him, "Yeah, you can't go over the you can't go over the top of this tree on the swing." And then, you know, if I didn't tell him that, he probably wouldn't have done it. And you know, that was the day he flew. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, yeah. that is. 
That is sad and heartwarming all at the same time. Yeah. Well, and I, I did actually, um, in, in Gregory's story, um, I, I did, uh, with, with you recommending the game, it made me think, like, in Gregory's story with him being in the bathtub, uh, like, as that whole thing was going on, I was like, oh, no, don't have it go this way. Mm-hmm. This, um, so, yeah, that was, I was like, this is, like, the, the way that the storytelling in the game is, like, it's very well done. Like, that, that uh, I mean, yeah, I you really, really get attached to these characters in, like, such a short amount of time. You know, these are all, like, maybe, like, 10-minute tops, little story vignettes, and you just really, yeah you know get attached to them and of course you're playing from the perspective of a family member so that kind of helps too you know she's talking about her uncles or her brothers or her grandpa grandma yeah and uh like i I said earlier like none of these uh characters really have a happy death so there's like in this short amount of time like i i got connected pretty pretty quickly with a lot of these characters just with how they presented these character stories um whether it was like uh gus after i think that the death of his wife or uh, no gus oh uh, gus no, no, was no. The... sam uh, the, the one that like turned the basement into like a, a safe house or something uh i, I think yeah. was, i think that was sam that, yeah that, no that was the i i don't know the name but that was after the death of barbara he, Barbara was his sister, and he's the one who Walter, went underground. Walter. Yeah, I, I think it was Walter that because uh, when you when you're going through the house, you get into his room and it's just completely empty. Well, it's because it, he had completely uprooted his life from inside the house to into that like makeshift. Uh, yeah, you know, safe mom, house, safe room. Mom said never go into the basement, and every now and then I'd see Grandma Edie going into the basement and taking stuff down there it's like oh well now i know what she was doing like i had an uncle living down here the whole time and and the thing with with walter's story was so simple it was just it was very simplistic like you you open up like three cans of peaches and then as decades go by yeah just illustrate hey he's been down here you know decades and he's basically lived the same day over and over and over again yeah, and he's he's talking about the the earthquakes, and of course you you end up finding out that it's not quite an earthquake. Um, he ends up finally deciding to to, to leave his life behind, and uh, he uses the, the the sledgehammer to break through the wall, and then he's uh, on some train tracks, and then splat. Yeah. Yeah, basically, um, hey, I can't live my life in fear anymore. I can't, I can't just live the same day over and over. I need to face up my face, my fears, and you know, be yeah. the finch that I need to be. And, and he was, yeah. And and then once he he finally you know let go of you know trying to just protect what life he had left, uh, then reality. Uh, saw to his his end too um but like i guess that's another thing that was that i really like it's weird like i i don't think i enjoyed the game because it's not really it's not really a happy game but 
like I was very intrigued and interested and um, like all of the stories had they were all unique there wasn't anything like they didn't have anything that was like oh I've already just seen a, a palette swap yeah like every everybody um, also I'm kind of curious like another question mark that they could tie into on uh, uh if they ever do a, a sequel or if anybody picks up the story but like with Milton they never found his body he just disappeared one day and he was like the middle the middle sibling between Edith and I think Lewis so like uh, when he went missing she was Edith I think was 11 or 9 9 or 11 when when Milton left or like disappeared um I mean, I think we can just assume that he he died. But yeah, because he's the one where he, like, goes into his painting. But, of course, as you're crawling throughout the house, you see his artwork, like, crawling in the in the ductwork and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he has that little, like, he, he made that flip book up, up in his room or his, I, I think his room. It yeah, the flip, book, like a, a, flip book showing him going into his painting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know there there's there is stuff that they could go back to 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 flesh out things even more. Yeah, we could just leave the mystery too. I mean, everything doesn't have to be explained. We don't have all the answers in life. We probably never will. Well, I mean that is very true. Um, but uh, did did you have a a favorite uh, like uh, family story? Hmm. No, I mean they're all pretty good. It's just I, I, just a, a great little collage of all these vignettes, this this family history. Um, but outside of what remains, uh, yeah, what remains of Edith Finch, uh, you said you're playing like twelve minutes, and you're probably going to go back and try to uh, clean up all the achievements. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm probably going back, but I'll probably, you know, that that idea will probably sit in my mind until it leaves Game Pass. <laughs> um, it was just a little, little bothersome. Um, not, I didn't find it super enjoyable or and rewarding enough to continue on. Oh. Um, and then besides, you know, those games we've talked about, I've still been trucking away at Shining Force. I'm yeah. about halfway done with it now. I think I'm like 12 hours in. I just started Chapter 5. And it looks like there's eight chapters in the game, so made some decent progress. It's it's interesting going back and playing this in this long because you know in the past we've all, I've ever really only checked it out, so I didn't have a uh, full picture of the game. You know, of course, knew it was a strategy RPG or tactical RPG, but it is interesting now that I'm like this far into it to see. Okay, you know, tactical RPGs have come a long way. This one is you know pretty simple and it did come out in 1993 at least over here in the states at least you know so that's understandable but it's enjoyable i've had uh, some difficulty you know i've had some characters die on missions and um, generally it's like the healers or the mages who have you know the the lower hp totals than like the knights the centaur knights or those people who are supposed to be on the front lines uh, it's not not super punishing because we can uh, 
bring those people back, and it's not too much yeah. of a cost. Basically, those little uh, the friars, the priests, they bring them back for like one percent of the gold that I have. So it's enjoyable. Do you think you'll dive right into Shining Force two after you're done with uh, Shining Force, or take a little bit of a break? No, I'll probably take a break. You know, this game started playing it just kind of spur of the moment sort of thing. Um, I am interested to play Shining Force two and further my experience with the Shining series. And kind of on that note, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast last week or not, but the Sega Genesis Mini 2 that's coming out, they have oh, yeah. Yeah. released the full slate of titles that will appear on the system. And like there 60 are... games? I'm sorry, what? I think it's like 60 games. Yeah, 60 plus, like 60 games and a handful of kind of quote-unquote extra titles, like bonus titles that M2 has put together. Um you know, there's a number of RPGs on here that look like it may make it worth its while. I mean, Shining Force CD is on there, I think. Like I said, Ooh. that's one you and I talked about either on yeah. the podcast or off. Yeah. yeah, and how expensive it can be. And additionally, the one that really caught my eye was uh, Crusader of Senti on the Genesis. Do you know about that game? I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Okay, well, that makes sense because it's super rare and super expensive. Like, it sells for, like, I don't know, three digits, maybe four digits complete. And it's a, you know, it's a really well-regarded Zelda-style action RPG, kind of like Legend of Zelda and maybe a little bit of Crystallis mixed in there. And it's produced by, you know, it was produced by Sega. And I think, in fact, it was intended to be a game in the Shining series. And then just wasn't, but it had a super small print run over here in the States, so copies sell for, like I said, at least three digits, maybe four digits. And this is the first time it's going to be officially re-released. Because, again, this is a Sega game. There's nothing stopping them from doing it in the past, to my knowledge. Yeah. So the fact that it's going to be on this, I kind of had no interest in getting this product. In the Sega Genesis Mini 2, you know, it's $100. Um, it's only releasing on Amazon's Japanese website. Um, so there is an, a North American and English localized version, but you have to order it from Amazon Japan. So in addition to the $100 <laughs> cost, it'll have like a $30 shipping. shipping cost. But yeah. not going to lie, the fact that like Crusader of Senti's on there, Shining Force CD, and there are a number of other RPGs and otherwise interesting like quote-unquote rare picks on it, I am pretty tempted to get it. And you said it's called Crusader of Sinti? Yes. Yeah, you ought to look it uh, up well. and just check it out. I mean, and one of the things in the back of my mind is like, well, I could pay $100 to get this device, or I could <laughs> just go run an emulator. Yeah. Um, now, one thing that would make me want to get the Sega Genesis Mini 2 is just the fact that it's an M2 product. M2 yeah, is basically puts games. out puts out like the the top top of the top old games like their emulation their yeah. recreation work is just top notch like the bar so it's like well if I play the games on this I'm probably going to get a more authentic experience a more true to form experience than if I'm just playing it on an emulator even though that emulator would be basically free yeah well um and I guess kind of a little bit of the, like, another side of the coin is just, like, supporting 
uh, Sega's efforts on bringing some of these much more rare, harder to find, and the secondhand market has completely ballooned at the price. Yeah. Of, like, like being like, okay, Sega, this is what you should be doing. Like, really, you know, utilizing your your previous portfolio to, uh, like, expand beyond the normal Genesis games you always re-release. Yeah, and it, it's something that that I say all the time about uh, Sony and Jim Ryan. Like, you have such a massive portfolio of titles that are from before. 2005 you should do stuff with them like whether remasters remakes doing a collection like something like just support these uh, already existing titles and like i said i never heard anything about this uh, crusader of senti game but it's it's definitely on my radar now yeah you keep uh, in mind one one other cool thing about this that, that again, is kind of making me think, ah, maybe I will get this. Um, Fantasy Star 2 is on it, and Fantasy Star 2 is a game that's basically been in every one of Sega's Genesis compilations. But yeah. Fantasy Star 2 is pretty brutal by today's standards. I played it, or I tried to play it last year, and I think I've sunk like 10 or a dozen hours into it, and I eventually just gave up because I felt the game was too difficult to not use a guide. Like, you know, we both kind of try and play a game without a guide, at least on that first playthrough. And yeah, uh, Fantasy Star 2, like, it's totally a game where it's like, yeah, I could do that if I wanted to just blow my brains out. Um, <laughs> so I, I stopped playing it. The version so, on this one, uh, M2 is actually putting in some stuff to make it a little easier. They're, like, lowering the encounter rate, doubling the money and experience gain from battles, and doing some other stuff that makes it a little more friendlier for today's audience which is basically what they did with the Fantasy Star, the Sega Ages Fantasy Star release on the Switch. The one thing it's la it'll lack compared to that game that really sticks out in my mind is the auto-mapping feature, where basically like one-third of the screen is devoted to the map. So as you go through the dungeon, you basically fill out the map and kind of can kind of see where you've been or where you're going, where you need to go. Um, yeah. but, but so those sort of, those sort of changes make me... Uh, especially interested it's like well crap that's probably a version that i wouldn't immediately be able to play via emulation so maybe i do need to just go ahead and plop down the 130 bucks or whatever to get this so to kind of bring back a slight uh topic from a previous episode you you had uh said that uh, fantasy star 2 by today's standards you know Without the use of a guide, you want to blow your brains out. But how does it stack up against, like, pack and roll? Well, pack and roll doesn't... You don't need a guide for pack and roll. Pack and roll's very straightforward. You know, it's a linear game. Um, I, I just I just remember how your your uh, your reaction to... Uh, yeah, how, to, I, how, <laughs> how upset I was. Like, pack and roll, I did beat that. You know, I think by the time we recorded last week's podcast, I had finished that game and was done with it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was a game I was able to get through. You know, that's also a game that's like three hours long. Fantasy Star 2 is going to be a game that's like 30 hours long. And, you know, basically there are dungeons in Fantasy Star 2 that are probably going to be like an hour or two long because you're just going to be swamped with a ridiculous encounter rate. 
you're going to be kind of flying blind. You don't know where you're going, where you need to go. So you're having to like explore every route, every pathway. And then I can still remember it, like what killed me, like what eventually made me be like, okay, I'm done. I don't think I can do this anymore was the dungeon. There was a dungeon that I got to where you basically had all these gaps in the floor that you had to fall to progress. And there's lots of these holes, so it's not like, oh, just go find the one hole where you got to fall and then keep moving on. No, you have to, like, keep figuring it out. There's many holes you have to fall through. So at that point, I was like, mm, I, it always pains me to stop playing a game whenever I start. It's even, like, 12 minutes. You know, I to say I, I maybe will return to that. It's like, I always like to remain optimistic, but at some point, I just have to cut the cord, and Fantasy Star 2 was one where it's like, yeah, maybe I'll come back to it someday and I'll just play through it with a guide, but maybe I won't either. Yeah. Well, um, so outside of Shining Force, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're still playing some some version of Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Always uh, always got to have the, Pokemon mixed in there. The, 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 the evergreen Pokemon titles. Which, uh, and which uh, Pokemon... I don't know if it's the world championships are going on right now or just like the European championships, but there is a Victini being given away through tomorrow uh, for Sword and Shield. So if you want a perfect Victini with probably, I think it maybe has like some unique moves or unique nature or unique ability or something, um, there's a code out there to get it. Well, outside of, of that, is there... Uh, in anything else that, that that you've been playing that, uh, or are are you pretty much just like focused in on finishing Shining Force, or do you have like yeah. a, a, a like an actual secondary title that that you're playing? Uh, no. Right now, I'm focusing in on Shining Force. You know, with Edith Finch being completed and Twelve Minutes getting yeah. passed on. Um, I've said I think the last couple weeks, or probably since we've started recording this, Deedlet that uh, Record of Lodos War Metroidvania, that's one of the games that's on my to-do list. I'm just, I'll, I'll probably start playing that soon now that I'm done with Edith Finch and 12 Minutes and probably play that alongside Shining Force. Gotcha. Um, well, I did put a little bit more time into Triangle Strategy. Oh, yeah. I am... Yeah, you, you beat that. I am very, very close now. I, oh. I've started... I'm almost all the way through chapter 18. Um, I, I think there's like 19 or 20 chapters in the game. And of course, near the end, they... Uh, you know, you, you get to recruit another character when the game is almost over. And uh, the, the character matches the, the level of, of your party... And I won't say names and stuff or anything like that. Uh, I mean, but you could you could say the names. I'm gonna forget them in like three minutes. Okay. Well, Bob. So you recruited Bob. Uh, uh close enough. So Bob, um, for the most part, was introduced earlier in the game. There's things that ensue. He disappears for a while, and then pretty much a chapter maybe chapter and a half before the game finishes he gets reintroduced as a recruitable uh, uh character of course even though his level matches 
the party or like my main party like i think everyone right now is 26 to 30 i think is the the, the level of my like the characters that i actually use um so even though he's like level 26 or 27 uh he doesn't have any like weapon upgrades so one thing that i've been doing is kind of going through the, the mock battle system and you know generating money and getting the resources to try to increase his weaponry but i was kind of thinking about it, i was like i don't really want to keep doing this i would rather just get to the end of the game so uh the missions that, that i'm on now they are taking a little bit longer because it's they're they're utilizing bigger battle uh, like battlefields and like one of the, the the missions that i just wrapped up enemies were dropping uh bombs inside of this mine so i, I would have to get to these bombs within 70 in individual like character turns to defuse the the bomb uh while also trying to eliminate all the enemies from from the mine itself so having to juggle both of those while not having my my party die uh took a little bit longer i, I think it was about a, an hour long mission maybe an hour and a half but i am almost done i am almost finished with triangle strategy um it is it is a really really good game that hopefully more people uh check out um, yeah count me among them that's one where i need to carve time out and play at some point um it is definitely i i think they could have done some better execution with the the scales of balance system that they uh that they have in the game to supposedly allow you to shape and mold the story as you see fit but uh there's definitely a lot left to be desired with that system because it just isn't quite executed very well um plus for the first 10 hours of the game there's really no explanation as 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 much as like you don't need to talk to everybody if you're just trying to get your your point across you don't need to talk to everybody because if you do talk to everybody you could potentially be forced in a situation where they end up voting against you because you make it seem like that's the path you want to take um which i did not understand that until about 10 or so hours into the game and i was like oh because it, it, it tells you, talk to everybody. Like, investigate everybody, question everybody. Like, so I did that. And for the first 10 hours of the game, almost none of what I actually wanted to do happened because I talked to everybody. And people who were originally going to vote the way that i wanted them to vote would change their vote because they thought that i was going in this other direction with it and i wasn't i was just talking to everybody and it's just a it, it's a system that once you do start up a conversation with the character um you can't back out of that conversation unless you just load up your save again um which i did a couple times but then i realized oh if you're if you are already voting 
for the way that I want us to go, I'm not talking to you. Because I could potentially end up talking you out of that path and you vote against what I want. So um, it, it's a it's a very interesting system that, like I said, I, I feel like they could have done a little bit better on the execution part of it. But it is a very good game. Um, it isn't too, like, tactical based like it is a tactical rpg but like with um like final fantasy tactics or tactics ogre there's you know characters have so many abilities and skills and things that they can do on the battlefield with triangle strategy it is much more restrictive i i, th I think uh like in those games, all... you've got classes and jobs, right? Is there an equivalent in this game, or is it basically, hey, um, John is a swordsman. He is only ever going to be a swordsman. So it, it kind of uh, pulls a little bit from Fire Emblem, where they already have, they, there's not, like, you can't decide their, their class or their job. They essentially start off as, like, let's say that you start off as, like, a, a uh, an archer, you can then upgrade the character to like a, uh, like, a, like one of two ranger. types of archers. Well, and there's not even two types. It's just it's literally just a, a direct line. Like start off as an archer, become a, a hunter, and then become a ranger. Um, and you just see a very small increase to like their HP, the the, the available TP that they have access to, which is their tactical points. Um, but pretty much all of the characters have access to about five or six abilities, um, which they will typically have access to once they reach level 30. So it, it isn't quite as deep of a tactical game as like a Fire Emblem or a Final Fantasy Tactics or a Tactics Ogre, but it is a fairly, uh, a fairly good, like, kind of dip your toe into the tactical RPG, uh, like, gameplay. And then the story is pretty good. Like, there's there's a lot of, a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes and a lot of characters with very big personalities. Um, so I, I definitely, I highly recommend everybody that uh, likes rpgs likes tactical rpgs to check it out because it is it is a good game and um i've been kind of going back and forth on whether i want to do like a, a full-on review for it i've got a, a lot of notes that i took earlier in my my uh play time with the game so i i may end up doing a review for it i'm just not 100 percent sure yet okay well you spend time with anything else this last week? Uh, well, let's see. While getting over or dealing with all of this, like, congestion and stuff, um, I really haven't uh, played a whole lot of stuff outside of... Uh, I found it very easy to play uh, What Remains of Edith Finch because I didn't really have to do yeah. a whole lot of, like, focusing or gameplay stuff, so, like... Um, yeah, you can just be sick, sit back, and soak it up. Yeah. Um, 
So for the most part, like I didn't really get to like I I tried to play a little bit of Smite, but like my my brain just could not like react or fire like quick enough to be able to do any type of like competitive thing. Um, and then on top of that, just like uh, I'm really hoping that all of this is gone by the time that I finish Triangle Strategy, so that I can play Aodin Chronicle and do a stream of that so I can finally get that uh, taken care of as well. But usually whenever I'm like about to start playing or get into Aodin Chronicle, there's I end up dealing with some kind of like respiratory problem. Maybe that's a sign to just either stop playing, just say, okay, I'm done with Aodin Chronicle, or <laughs> yeah. just knuckle down and do it and just get it over with. Yeah, because like, it, it's definitely a situation where... Um, at, at this point, I don't even really remember like the, the, the voices that I gave to certain characters. So it's not even like a, I, I could try to replicate that anyways. So, um, but like with Triangle Strategy nearly done, Aiden Chronicle is on the horizon now. Um, I did pick up a couple games during the uh, the, the the big like Best Buy sell um, with the uh, Neo and. Uh, King's Bounty 2. Um, uh, you got Neo, the Team Ninja action game. That's cool. Um, oh, no, oh, not no. Neo. Oh, yeah, you, not... you mean Neo, the world ends with you. Yeah, yeah. Or that whatever one, it is. That one. Yeah, yeah, whenever you said Neo, it took me a second to be like, wait, <laughs> he's not talking about that game. He's talking about the other Neo. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, you know, I just really... After Elden Ring, I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm just going all in on on these other uh, FromSoft style games. Um, Give me the Final yeah. Fantasy. Give me Neo, but yeah. only only the ones developed by Team Ninja. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I I think I I was very intrigued to to read about uh, King's Bounty Two just. It's such a big RPG world. Um, I remember playing The World Ends With You on the D... What's it, the DS or the 3DS? Uh, on yeah, the DS. DS. Um, it was a very interesting take on, on like, an RPG. And so many years later, they, they came out with a pseudo-sequel thing to it. Yeah, uh, they so, also remastered it a couple years before as well. Yeah. And... Uh, Again, just really, really, in, like, I've, I've said it, uh, I think, on, on the podcast and on, on Gamer Vision that I'm really liking this era of Square Enix where they are actually embracing more than just Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Wait a minute. Embracing? Are they going to be embraced? <laughs> well, I mean, they've already sold off some of their studios, so who knows? Yeah. That, yeah, that by could... all accounts, they're they're trying to get a little skinny to be acquired. Yeah, and that's actually one of the the uh, uh, topics that is on the Gamer Vision episode that I'm currently editing. Because um, there's like three potential buyers, and well, with how Embracer Group is handling things, I mean, there could be a fourth. Um, but I, I think that would be a fairly sizable purchase but you know at, at this point uh there is no company that is too big to acquire so 
Um, I, I think Activision Blizzard has completely shown, hey, nobody is too big to be purchased. Yeah, nobody's off the table. Um, but one of my biggest questions about the Embracer group acquisitions here recently is how did they manage to get Middle Earth Enterprises for, like, half of what they were asking? Like, that just still blows my mind. Like, they were asking for $2 billion, and they sold for a billion dollars. So, I mean, it may just... It may be like whenever you go and buy a car, they just haggled. You know, or whenever you sell I mean, a car, it's like, hey, I'm, I want to sell this car. Like, realistically, I want to sell this car for $10,000. I'm going to ask for 15000 and let somebody haggle me down to twelve five. And, hey, I made 2500 more than I wanted to. You know, maybe Middle I Earth mean, Enterprises really felt that they had a billion-dollar valuation, but they wanted to start high and maybe negotiate down. Maybe they, and who knows? Maybe they thought they had a seven hundred and fifty million dollar valuation. Yeah, I mean, it just I I'm just very very surprised. It was just kind of a a, a, a very out of nowhere like announcement that yeah. Embracer grew, and then to top it all off, like going into the 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 thread storm from Wario sixty four about just this company got acquired and this company got acquired and this company got acquired and and it's just kind of a wide spec like limited run games like limited run games is now owned by embracer group which is another thing that i'm just kind of like i don't really understand that one yeah i mean limited run has expanded so much since they were founded and um... they have their own store now Josh physical and, store. Yeah, Josh and Doug, you know, the two owners, two co-owners, co-founders. I don't I don't know. I mean, it seemed like they're just raking in the money. Uh they're doing a great job for themselves and you know, they're not just raking in money, but they're actually putting out like even better and better like more complicated stuff. Like now basically everything yeah. they're putting out has a collector's edition with all sorts of doodads. They've got Jeremy Parrish like putting together books and like subsidizing his stuff. Uh, Milky works yeah. for them now. I don't know if you knew that. James Milky. Like, so yeah, they, 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 they're, they're basically recreating One Up. <laughs> well, hey, if that happens, I am all for that. I would love to see a full-on reunion by a, a bunch of those guys. Yeah, so I don't um, know if this is just them getting ready to cash out. I, I don't really see that being the thing because, you know, Josh and Doug, they're always both on Twitter talking about, like, the games they're acquiring. Uh, or yeah. if it's just that they got they got such a good offer they couldn't resist or that it's just hey we have even bigger ideas for where this can go we just need the financing to get us there and i'm kind of wondering like how because like they, they've got a, i mean i would i would assume that they got a pretty good like working relationship with best buy since they they do exclusive like best buy releases of limited run stuff um kind of wondering like if that will continue in the future or if that's going to to expand like now that embracer group will be i i would assume more involved in the like yeah i'm i'm practices. very interested to see if this impacts the lineup of games that limited run releases if there are companies who just say well 
uh, technically Embracer is our competitor, so like Konami, like no, we're not going to let you re-release our Castlevania games or Contra games yeah. in the future. Or if it's just, or if it's still kind of a non-issue, like no, they're not a competitor. They're like somebody who is adding on. They're an, a value-added yeah. uh, service provider. But I guess too with Embracer making this purchase and then also purchasing like Tatsujin and. I think like the rights to a bunch of Toaplan games, like a bunch of real influential arcade games from the late eighties, early nineties. I think they're, they say like they're really into, into preservation, game preservation and, um, re-releases of historic games, historical games. So I guess in that, when viewed from that lens, these acquisitions kind of make sense. And I guess it's up to each individual person to either take them at their word on that or, you know, believe them or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as like game preservation goes, I mean, they they did salvage a good portion of THQ. So. Yeah, but like, I mean, what what does that mean for game preservation? They didn't salvage them. They just purchased the name and purchased the rights <laughs> to a number of things. Like game preservation well, can't yeah. be left up to these companies because they've been shown that they're not willing or able to do it. Like there are some people like limited run games. Uh, you know, I think they worked in concert with Digital Eclipse or whatever became of Digital Eclipse, the company they are now, on an engine that makes it easier for them to port old games, like kind of a, a universal game engine that would be applicable for like all platforms. So, I mean, they put some work towards it. And, you know, Josh Fairhurst of Limited Run, you know, he has actually gone out and put his money where his mouth is and actually purchased some admittedly terrible IPs, but he has done the legwork to bring back some terrible old games like plumbers don't wear ties or plumbers don't wear pants whatever it's called <laughs> well i mean I, I i guess if you're gonna if you're gonna go the route of preservation i guess you have to preserve everything but uh um so i i think so over the next week, you, you think you'll you'll finish with Shining Force? Do you see any obstacles or anything that could keep that from happening? Or uh, yeah, life. No, <laughs> well, um, I'm yeah, outside I don't, of life. Outside of life? Mm, no, no. I don't know if uh, I'll have. I don't know if I'll have the time to beat it. You know, I I think I'm like half. You know, like I said, I'm a little more than halfway through, so I probably got another like ten or fifteen hours left with the game. Um, I don't know that I'll. Actually, I guess it's foreseeable I could devote that much time to it over the next week, so maybe I will beat it. <laughs> but I'd also like, like I said, I'd also like to start that Record of the Lodos War deedlit Metroidvania, so that may siphon some of my time away from this. Yeah, well, uh, the the deedlit game, that's not a very long title either, is it? Yeah, that's like, one that's Kind of like, a short one. Yeah, that's like maybe a dozen hours, 20 hours tops, I'm thinking. Well, uh, for me, I should, after maybe one more play session with the uh, Triangle Strategy, I should have that game beat uh, now that I'm not going to try to focus on maxing out this uh, late character recruit. Um, and then after that, finally beat uh, Aiden Chronicle, grind through, you know, muscle my, my way through the, 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 the trophies of that game to get that 100%, get that completed, get that 
done. Um, and then after those two, do you have anything in the docket? Well, I was thinking of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably settle on that one. And then, depending on, on how that goes, let's see, it's August 20th. Uh, Star Ocean, The Divine Force. That's like a mid-October release, right? I have no idea. I, I, I know it's an October release. I can't quite remember when it comes out. but Okay, so there's still like a month and a half at least till that game yeah. comes out. Maybe two months. So I, I for the most part, I, I want to make sure that I'm not... Like, if I finish Triangle Strategy in about one more session, Aodin Chronicle should be... Like maybe a, a week's worth of just grinding through those those uh, remaining trophies. Um, Yakuza like a dragon. I could probably have beaten, and maybe have enough time for one more game before Star Ocean Divine Force because I I would like to have just a complete clear slate before going into that game. Um, have no idea really how long Divine Force is going to be. But uh, I I would like to have everything just kind of cleared out so that I'm just focusing on that one because I think that you're getting it day one as well. I, I think. Yes. So that'll be one where you know the, the the podcast will likely have several sessions of us just kind of going back and forth on just how uh, how we handle our characters, what we think of the story, all that kind of stuff, and. Uh, hopefully sometime soon we can do a, a podcast in person. Yeah. To, you know, this is episode six and we're still doing this remotely. Um, not exactly how we were planning or wanting to do the podcast, but it, it's worked out okay so far. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, do you have any potential reviews no, planned I, or thought about? Yeah, I mean sure thought about just (laughs) sat down devoted the time to putting them together don't know that i will but definitely would like to yeah that's kind of like i said earlier about triangle strategy i'm like i already have a bunch of notes for it but i don't know if i really want to turn all those notes into an actual review of it but it is a game that i i highly recommend people play um just like with yakuza like a dragon another fantastic modern take on a turn-based rpg that uh, provides a pretty good template for other companies to, to look at and say, hey, turn-based still has a place. Um, but I think that's probably a good stopping point, don't you? I agree. All right. So, I have been Jeff from Just One More Level. And this was John from com. And we'll see you with the, or you'll hear from us in the next episode, which will be episode seven of Just One More Podcast, which is available on Anchor, Spotify, later on in Google Podcast, and soon Apple Podcast once I have all that straightened out. So see you next week. Bye-bye.